stand across the building as we read the word today as respect for the word. If you take your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 26, beginning with verse number 21. Matthew chapter 26, beginning with verse number 21. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Wonderful job today as we prepare our hearts for the word. Matthew 26 and verse number 21. Are you there? Everybody say, I'm there. Verse 21. Now, as they were eating, he said, Surely I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each of them began to say to him, Lord, it is I. Lord, is it I? He answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in this dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes, just as is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And he said to him, You have said... And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And this is the verse I want to focus on, a very uh, verse that we overlook. You know, we don't really pay much attention to it, but I want to particularly pay attention to this one verse in this narrative, verse number 30. And when he had sung a hymn, he went out into the Mount of Olives. Just that verse. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Today, just for a few moments, I want to preach on the thought, the mystery of the three vessels. The mystery of the three vessels. The mystery of the three vessels. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have together in your house today. We pray that you would open up our ears and our hearts, that we would hear your word, and that your word would go forth in power, your word would go forth in boldness and clarity, that you would anoint me, for I cannot preach unless the preacher shows up, and that those who hear me today, their ears and hearts will be receptive that they would hear with understanding, that they would bear fruit. Now I know that we do not wrestle with one another according to your scriptures. Your scripture says we wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this world. And so by your authority, we cast down the kingdom of darkness. And we ask that the kingdom of God would be advanced today in our hearts and our minds. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord, and everyone shouted a great big amen. You may be seated. The mystery of the three vessels. This passage is often read during the time of Easter. 
We focus on this scripture in particular. Jesus took the bread, he blessed it, broke it, gave it to his disciples, and we remember his passion, his death, and his suffering. Of course, every time we take communion, we remember this story as well. But I believe that this story holds a lot of truth to it. And sometimes, when a story is so familiar to us, we overlook the details. When something is so familiar to us, we overlook the details. When you hear something over and over and over, sometimes we can miss the details. You've heard the old saying, the devil is in the details. Sometimes we miss the details because we're so familiar with the story. Now, what I want to do for a few moments, and it's important that you open up your ears and your hearts and you listen with clarity to what I have to tell you this morning. Because if not, maybe you can get confused. So I don't want you to be confused this morning. I want you to understand with clarity so that you'll be able to bear fruit. But I'm excited to share something with you that I believe can be applicable to your life. And it can also be life changing and life transformative in your life. If you will give heed to what the spirit is saying through me this morning. And so what I want to do for a few moments, I want to take the natural and I I want to compare it to the spiritual. And I want to look at something in Israel that they did often, and that was pottery. Do you remember the story of Jeremiah chapter 18, the prophet Jeremiah, how the Lord spoke to him concerning the pottery, how Israel was, was, was the piece of clay, and God, his hands, was molding that nation to be the nation that God intended it to be. And so I want to look at pottery this morning, and I want to like to the purposes of God and to the plan of God in your life. All right. Now, if you look at pottery, usually not all the time, but especially in ancient Israel, there was seven different types of pottery. Now, what do I mean by pottery? Well, I mean that they would take uh, pottery and they would, they would make certain vessels that would contain water. It would contain oil. It would contain different, many things that could be used for the temple and you know that in the Old Testament, the temple was the center of God's activity. It was the center of God's presence. And they had to have vessels, vessels, or what I mean is containers, containers that would contain either oil or water or whatever purposes they deemed necessary. And so that's how they made their vessels. They made their vessels through clay. They used pottery and clay to make these vessels so that they could be used in the house of God and for the work of God. And usually there was seven different types of vessels. But, uh, but if I had to condense it, there was three special ones that they, it was often spoke of in ancient Israel. They spoke of it often. And I want to look at the mystery of these three vessels and how they uh, represent your life this morning or how it could represent your life this morning. And I'm going to start with the first vessel. I'm going to start with the first vessel, which is called the chosen vessel. The chosen vessel. The Bible says in Acts chapter number 9 and verse number 15, there was a man by the name of Saul who was later called Paul. And right after his conversion or during his conversion experience, a man by the name of Ananias was hesitant to pray for this man called Saul. But I want you to be reminded about what the Lord said to Ananias concerning this man. The Bible says in Acts chapter 9 and verse 15, but the 
the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear his name, bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel. Do you notice the phrase in that passage this morning, chosen vessel? He is a chosen vessel of me, a chosen vessel. You see, I believe the Apostle Paul represents the chosen vessel. He represents a man that God had appointed and anointed for a particular purpose because he is the chosen vessel. You see, when ancient Israel, when they would make vessels or when they would make containers, they sometimes would get the mud or the clay from the Jordan River. The Jordan River represented some of the holiest water in Israel. It was in the Jordan River that Naaman would dip and would get healed. It was at the Jordan River that Joshua would cross. It was at that of Israel experienced victory. You see, the Jordan River was the river where Jesus was baptized and even John the Baptist was baptized. It's a symbol of death to life, the Jordan River. And my friends, all of us have to cross that river at one time. We have to cross the river from death unto life, conversion uh, from, from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We all have to experience that Jordan River. But in ancient Israel, the Jordan River was considered a holy river. And oftentimes they would go down and get the mud from the Jordan River and they would take that mud and they would make certain vessels from it. And of course you know how they would do it. They would take the vessels and mold it and make it and add the ingredients that they needed to make and then they would put it in the oven and when it was done they would take it out of the oven. You see, but what was interesting in ancient Israel is that when they, the potter would take a vessel and he would mold it and make it and shape it, he would then put it in the oven. And then after a certain amount of time in the oven, he would take the vessel out. Now there was certain vessels, some vessels. And when I use the word vessel, I mean containers. There was some vessels that was large and some vessels that were small, some vessels that were rounder than others. There was all different types of vessels. And so when the but when the potter put the vessel into the uh, oven, he would take it out of the oven at an appointed time. And sometimes, sometimes he would notice a starburst on the vessel. And that starburst would occur somewhere either under the vessel, on the bottom of the vessel, or it would occur on the side of the vessel. It was like a little bubble that would occur on the vessel. And to the eye of the potter, he would look at that vessel vessel and he would notice that that vessel was somewhat special. That vessel was somewhat chosen. It was a special vessel nothing wrong with the vessel. There was no cracks in the vessel. The vessel wasn't deformed. It just formed a little starburst. It formed a little, uh, a little uh, indention in the vessel that was unique to the eye of the potter. So what he would do, he, after, the, the, after, the vessel was, uh, after the vessel cooled down, he would take the vessel and then he would in inscribe his inscriptions at the bottom of the vessel and he would take the vessel and set it on a shelf. In other words, he named the vessel. He put his name on the vessel and put it on the shelf. Shelf. Well, tradition tells us that usually people would buy vessels, lots of vessels. And usually a rich man would come to a pottery house and ask the owner to see the chosen vessels. 
So the potter would take him to the back room and let him see the chosen vessels. Now, what constituted a chosen vessel? A chosen vessel is when the potter name on the vessel because the vessel was unique. And so therefore, when a traveling person who had some money would come to the pottery shop, the rich person would ask the potter, can I see your chosen vessels, your unique vessels, the vessels that you have inscripted your name on it. And usually the potter would take the man to the back room and open up the closet and let him see all of the chosen vessels with his name name inscribed to the chosen vessel. And then the rich man would buy the chosen vessel at a certain price. In other words, what was hidden is now made public. What was in the dark was now brought to life. Those things that was hidden is now brought to the light. My friends, I know certain people that can out-preach I know certain people that can outsing anybody on TBN. I know some people who is talented and gifted and anointed by far most people that I see on TV. And yet it seems like their time never comes. It seems like their time uh, uh, never comes. And you often wonder why God don't open doors for them. Now, there could be several reasons for that factor. But one of the reasons, I believe, is God's timing for that. Sometimes God has chosen particular people to do particular things. And sometimes he has put those people on a shelf and his name has been inscribed upon their heart. And at the particular time, at the right time, God will make sure that he takes that which is in secret and put it in the public. In other words, you got to wait for God's timing. If God has chosen you to do something like he has chosen Paul to do something, you've got to wait for God's timing in order for God to accomplish his plan and purpose in your life. You can't make it happen. You can't make it happen. No matter how frustrated you become, no matter how much prayer that you give yourself to, you can't make it happen. You got to wait for God's timing to take that thing that was in secret and make it public. The chosen vessel. Paul the Apostle was a chosen vessel with God's name inscribed upon his heart to do a particular plan, a particular purpose. He was sent to, sent to the Gentiles, to kings and to the children of Israel. God had a particular plan for him. He was the chosen vessel. The second vessel that they often talked about was what I call the rejected vessel. You have the chosen vessel, a vessel that looked unique, a vessel that was unique to the potter, a vessel that was hidden for a particular time with the name of the potter upon the vessel, the chosen vessel. But now you have what I call the rejected vessel. The rejected vessel, that, re that vessel usually was a vessel that was cracked so bad and damaged so bad that it was almost impossible for it to be repaired. 
This vessel sometimes maybe it was dropped and shattered. Maybe the vessel was handled wrong. Maybe it came out of the oven too soon and they didn't handle it with care. So it was damaged so bad that it was so bad damaged that it couldn't contain the oil or the water or whatever substance that it was used for. It was so rejected and was so broken that it was impossible to fix it. And so usually what the potter would do, they would take it to Gehenna. Gehenna was a place in Israel or Jerusalem, I'm sorry, and they would throw their trash. You see, the city of Jerusalem, according to tradition, not scripture, tradition, looks like the 21st letter of the Hebrew alphabet. If you look at the city of Jerusalem at an aerial view with no buildings, tradition says it looks like the 21st letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which represents peace. Now, I find that interesting, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but it's an interesting concept. The Jewish people, if you looked at Israel, and I was there, and you looked at Jerusalem, there is what is called the Holy Side, and then on the other, opposite side of the Holy Side was what they called Gehenna, or Shiloh. Now, isn't that interesting? The city of Jerusalem had two sides, the Holy Side, and then on the other side, there was the rejected side, or Gehenna, a place of fire. And there was the Kinron Valley that would run between them both. The holy side of Jerusalem is where the temple was. It was where God's presence was. It is where the Levites and the priests would offer sacrifices unto the Lord. It was God's manifest presence. On the other side of the valley was a Gehenna. It was where the Jews threw their trash and the trash would be burned. That is why when Jesus was telling his disciples that hell is a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Jews understood that concept. They understood a place called Gehenna. Jesus called it Gehenna. He called it the place of the dead. He called it a hell. The Jews understood that concept because Jerusalem had a holy side. But on the other side, they had a place where they threw their trash and they burned their trash. And it was referred to as Gehenna. And Jesus referred to hell as that place. It kind of reminds me of Luke chapter 16. The rich man died and he went to hell, lifted up his eyes, and he looked over the gulf, the gulf to the other side and saw Abraham. It reminds me of the city of Jerusalem, Holy Side, Gehenna. Luke chapter 16, the rich man opened up his eyes and hell, the bad side, looked over and saw the Holy Side. You see, the Jews threw their rejected pieces of pottery in Gehenna. They threw it in the place where they threw their trash. You see, Paul is that chosen vessel. And I would tell you today that Judas is the rejected vessel. Judas is the rejected vessel. Judas is not rejected because God rejected him. Judas rejected God. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter number 24 and verse number 3, it tells us the familiar story of the person who betrayed Jesus, the man who betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. Would you look at the scripture this morning? Matthew chapter 27 and verse number 3. And the Bible says, Then Judas the betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful. And what did he do? He brought back 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and to the elders. And the Bible 
Bible says in verse 4, he said, I've sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, the chief priests, the scribes, the elders said, what is this to us? You see to it. And the Bible says in verse number 5 that he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed. And what did Judas do? Judas went and hung himself. The greatest tragedy in Scripture. A man who walked with the Master, but in the end betrayed him. History books and Christianity has deemed him as a heretic, as an apostate, the one who betrayed our Lord. And the Bible says in verse number 6, but the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, it's not lawful to put them into the treasury because it's the price of blood. And the Bible says, and they consulted together and they bought the potter's field. Potter's field. Why the potter's field? Because Judas is the rejected piece of pottery. Judas is that rejected vessel. He's the piece of pottery that's rejected. Not because God rejected him, because there's always forgiveness with him. It's because Judas rejected God, turned his back on him. He was remorseful, but never repented. And let it be known to you, my friends, you can cry and be remorseful of your sins, but that doesn't mean you have repented. Peter cried and was remorseful, but repented and turned and went the opposite direction. Judas was remorseful, but in the end, he never repented. There's a Judas repentance, and then there's a Peter repentance. Repentance simply means this. In the Old Testament, repentance means I physically turn around and go the opposite direction. But in the New Testament, repentance has to do with your mind and your heart. So you put both of them together. Your mind and heart is changed, so therefore you physically turn around and go the opposite direction. That's what it means to repent. And many people will physically stop doing something that's sinful, but their heart hasn't turned the direction of their body. Thus, they have never repented. Somebody should throw your hands up and say, it's all right today. It's all right today. Paul is the chosen vessel. Judas is the rejected vessel. And this morning, the third vessel is what I call the broken vessel. The Bible says in Matthew chapter number 26 and verse number 21, listen to the words. Jesus was eating. He says, somebody's going to betray me. Now go on with the story. The Bible says they were exceedingly sorrowful. Can you imagine them at the table? They said, Lord, is it I? Am I going to betray you? He answered and said, the one who dips his hand in the dish will betray me. The Bible says the Son of Man indeed goes just as it's written of him. But woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It's been, it would be, have been better that he had never been born. The Bible says in verse number 25, Then Judas, the betrayer, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And Jesus said, You have said it. Verse number 26, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it, broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, Drink, take this, for it's my body. Verse number 27, he said, Take the cup, drink from all of you, drink it. Verse number 28, 
For this is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. Now, hold on, get the story. But I say to you, I won't drink of it. I drink it with you in the new kingdom. Now, look at verse number 30. And when they had sung a hymn, ladies and gentlemen, my friends, Paul is the chosen vessel. Judas is the rejected vessel. I believe that Jesus is the broken vessel. Broken vessel. Now in ancient Israel, pottery, after it would come out of the oven, after the vessel was molded and made and shaped, and like I said a few moments ago, some, some shapes were larger, some shapes were smaller, some shapes were larger. That would indicate to me that when you would put vessels into the oven, some vessels would stay in there longer than others. Don't that make sense? If a vessel is larger, then obviously it would probably stay in the oven longer. Some vessels were shorter, not very big. They wasn't in the oven that long. So all types of vessels had different types of vessels. They were different types of vessels, and they went in the oven at different times for different temperatures, and they came out at different times because they were all different. And the broken vessels, when they come out of the oven, sometimes the vessel was broken in such a way that it wasn't rejected. In other words, history tells us in Judaism that sometimes a broken vessel with the lip of the vessel would be broken. It wasn't too bad broken where you need to throw it away. It wasn't a vessel that was so badly damaged that you need to throw it away. But it was, it was broken. Maybe, maybe, it, uh, maybe it fell on the floor and it cracked it a little bit. But it wasn't so badly broken that it couldn't be repaired. So usually what they would do, they would go and they would get some mud. How did they mend that broken vessel? They would go get a little bit of mud. Now tradition tells us, this is interesting, they would go get a little bit of mud to mend the broken vessel. Of course they added some other things to it, but one of the things that they added to it, and I thought that this was interesting, this is not scripture, I'm inferring, and this is what tradition tells us. Tradition tells us that they would take a tick, off of a lamb, a tick off of a lamb and take several ticks and they would crush it till the blood of the lamb would go into the mud and they would mix it together and then they would take it and mend the broken vessel. Now that's ironic. There's a typology there. If that is true, if that is true, I want to let you know today that the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can mend your broken vessel. I'm going to say that again. I said the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can mend your broken vessel. <laughs> Nothing else. Nothing else can mend your broken vessel but the blood of Jesus. If that tradition is true, after they got the mud and the other ingredients, and he would take the tick and crush it, the blood made the mud thicker. And he would put it on the broken vessel. And guess what he would do? He would take that vessel back in the fire. Obviously, the mud that they put on the broken vessel had to mend with what's already there. Oh, it didn't look perfect. It wasn't for perfection. It was for being useful. And let me tell you something. You're never going to be perfect. It's not about being perfect. It's about being useful for the kingdom of God. 
Can I say that again? It's not about being perfect. It's about being useful for the kingdom of God. That broken vessel didn't look perfect. How could it look perfect when you're trying to mend a crack in the broken vessel? Didn't look perfect. That wasn't the concern of the potter. The concern of the potter was, can this vessel be used again? And I want to remind you today, my friends, that God has not called you to be perfect. You can't be perfect. Your humanity will always show up when you try to be perfect. It's good to strive for it, but you'll never make it, not in this world. And that causes us to rely upon the grace of God. It is in our weakness that we find that we are made strong. Hallelujah. And I want to remind you today that you may come here today and you may feel like you are a broken vessel. You may feel like, well, Lord, can't you me unless I'm a perfect vessel, unless I do this or do that. Well, I want to just set the I want to set it straight today. God in God's kingdom, in God's economy, He is not looking for perfection. He is looking for progress. He is looking for someone to say, I'm available. I want to be used by you. I have a past. I've done things I shouldn't have done. But Lord, if you can use a messed up, broken vessel, then I'm available for your use. Can I hear an amen? Is there anybody that can wave your hand and say, I want the Lord to use this broken vessel? You know what they would do, Sister Aileen? They would put that vessel after it was mended. They would put it into the oven to let it heat again. Now, Lisa, where's Lisa's boggy? She's very... She's very schooled in this area. And she'll testify that there are times that vessels will give a noise off in the oven. Uh, sounds like a, a singing noise. Now, you know vessels don't sing. They kind of just give off a little noise in the oven. It's interesting to me that when we experience brokenness in our life, when we find that our life is messed up and we can't fix it, God says, in order for me to do what I want to do in your life, sometimes you've got to go through the fire. That's the oven. In order for God to make you the person that he's called you to be, you've got to go through the oven. You've got to go through the fire of life. You can't avoid it. But the problem is, is when we go through the fire of life, when we're in the oven of life, we don't want to sing. We want to complain. We want to give up. We want to throw in the towel. But the Holy Spirit sent me to tell you, to tell you this. If you're going to make it through the oven of life, you're going to have to learn how to sing when you're broken in the fire. You're going to have to learn to change your perspective. You're going to have to learn not to complain in the fire, not to give up in the fire, not to throw in the towel and say it's not worth it any Lord more, or what's wrong with me? Why don't God answer my prayers? What? No, no, no. You've got to change your perspective and realize that when you are experiencing brokenness and God is using the fire of life to refine you, you've got to learn how to respond right in the fire because if you don't respond right in the fire, you might stay there longer than you had anticipated. So, pastor, what does verse number 30 have to do with anything? 
Matthew 26, verse 30. And when he had sung a hymn, Paul is the chosen vessel. Judas is the rejected vessel. Jesus is the broken vessel. And you find this broken vessel singing the night or hours before he was crucified. Jesus is broken when 12 of his best friends leave him, betrayed him. Only one of them stayed with him. The Bible says that Judas had the charge of the money bag, walked with the master for three and a half years. And you know what the book of Psalms says? Prophetically speaking of Jesus, my own friend lifted up his heel against me. Jesus was broken. Jesus was crushed by the criticism of the Pharisees and Sadducees and religious leaders. Every time Jesus did good, somebody complained against him. He was broken. He was broken so bad that in the garden of Gethsemane, his sweat became great drops of blood. He was broken. But right before he's crucified, you find a broken vessel singing in the oven of life. Oh, Jesus could have said, you know what? I'm getting ready to be crucified. I don't think it's necessary for me to sing. I don't think it's necessary for me to change my perspective. But you find him singing a hymn. You find him singing a hymn. Now, are y'all with me? How many would raise your hand and say, Pastor, I want to know what he sung? Come on. I want to know what did the man sing on verse number 30? It's what we call the Hallel songs, which means that there were certain parts of psalms that they would sing at Passover. Even today, when I went to Israel, I partook of the Passover, and this is true. We sung the book of songs. We sung this song here. This is very true. This is the psalm, one of them, that Jesus sung. Psalm 118 is a Hallel, a hallelujah song. And I want you to see what Jesus, a broken vessel. You say, well, pastor, he's God. Oh, hold on here. Let's correct your theology. He's 100% God and 100% man wrapped up in one person. Do not, do not de-emphasize his humanity because he is divine. That is what we call the hypostatic union, the, the union between divine and human. It's a mystery. But he's God and he is also man. That means he experienced the feelings of hurt, being forsaken. He was broken. And at Passover, 
Jesus stands up. Now, I've tried to act reserved the whole time I've been preaching, but I might just throw a Pentecostal fit right now. Is there anybody up in this building that will help me shout right now? Because y'all ready? So on the night of Passover, right before Jesus is crucified, Jesus stands up and they sung a hymn, and this is what he begins to sing. Psalm 118, verse 1. Are you ready? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. This is right before Jesus is crucified. Now, I want you to see this. This is prophetically David talking. He didn't even know Jesus was going to say this on the night of Passover. Verse number 2. Let Israel now say, his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say, his mercy endures forever. I called on the Lord in in the Gethsemane. Did he not do that? The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Do you see what Jesus is saying? What can man do to me? Verse number six. What can man do to me? Man, go back to verse six. What can man do to me? What can Judas do to me? What can Peter do to me? in the end? What can my disciples really do? What can the religious leaders do to me in the end? Can they really do anything to me? They can't do anything to me. Verse number 7. The Lord is for me among those who help me. Verse number 7. Therefore I shall see my desire on those who hate me. Now, even though it's not behind me, I want you to listen to this. Verse number 8. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Somebody shout hallelujah. He said it's better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in man. Who's man? Judas, Peter, my disciples. Jesus is standing here singing what's getting ready to happen to him. He said it's better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Verse number 10, all the nations surround me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surround me. Yes, they surround me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surround me like bees. They were quenched like a fire of thorns. In the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. You push me violently that I may fall, but the Lord has helped me. The Lord is my strength. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tents of righteousness. And the right hand of the Lord does violently. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. I, verse number 7, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Did you see verse number 17? I shall not die, but declare the works of the Lord. I'm going to say it one more time. I shall not die, but declare the works of the Lord. He said, you think you're going to kill me on a tree. But three days later, you forgot that I said, I'm going to raise this temple up again. I shall not die, but deliver live and declare the works of the Lord. He says, look, verse number 18, the Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. 
Verse number 19, open to me the gates of righteousness. In other words, I'm going to go through them. When they put my body in the ground and they lay my body in a borrowed tomb and wrap me in linen cloth, I'm going to go through the gates of righteousness and I'm going to praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. I will praise you for you have answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. You've rejected me, but I'm going to become the chief cornerstone. This is, this was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the Lord done. And then he says, and this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that you find a broken vessel he decided to sing in the fire of life. Verse 25, he says, so save now, I pray, O Lord. O Lord, I pray. Save me. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you. God is the Lord. Verse 27. He is our light. Bind the sacrifice with cords. You are my God. I will praise you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Paul is the chosen vessel. Judas is the rejected vessel. Jesus is the broken vessel. He is the what? He is the broken vessel. It's kind of like David said, I have become a wineskin in the smoke. The smoke has dried out my wineskin, my vessel, and I'm broken. You see, maybe you're here today and you say, well, pastor, I don't got some extraordinary calling on my life. I'm not necessarily chosen to do something mightily. That's okay. God anoints certain people for certain tasks, but that doesn't mean he loves you any less. It just means the function of their life is different than yours. What about the rejected vessel? You say, preacher... Have I went too far that I've been rejected? You haven't. Have I blasphemed the Holy Ghost? Have I done something that God has departed me? If you're here this morning in church, that means you haven't blasphemed the Holy Ghost. People who have blasphemed the Holy Ghost and went too far don't have a desire for God. They care nothing about God. But if there's any struggle on the inside of you, even say, Lord, I want to please you, even though I'm messed up, even though I'm broken, if there's anything on the inside of you, then I've come to tell you, you ain't rejected today. You ain't rejected today. You cannot run too far from the grace of God. A few years ago, teenagers got on YouTube and they did the Blaspheme the Holy Ghost Challenge. You remember that, don't you? Go look at it. Disgusting. 
teenagers throughout America got on YouTube to blaspheme the Holy Ghost to make fun of Christianity. That, my friend, is dangerous ground. You have not rejected the Lord if you're here. If there's in, you see, I've pastored for 17 years since I was 20 years old. And I've prayed for hundreds, probably thousands of people I've prayed for. And this is what I find. I find lots of people struggling. Lots of it. Lots of people struggle, 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 struggle. They're wrestling with issues. They're wrestling with bondages. They're wrestling with things that they can't get free from. And they're like, preacher, pray for me. I love God so much, but I can't get free from it. And I want to let you know today that if you've got a struggle to come to church, struggle. If you've got a struggle in your alcoholism, struggle in it. If you've got a struggle in your porn, struggle in it. But you don't let the devil get on top of you. You don't ever, you don't ever act like you're defeated. Because if there's any breath on the inside of you, life is worth living for and we're not going to condemn you if you're struggling if you're struggling I want you to come to church I don't care what kind of sin it is you're at the right place at the right time the church was never destined to take care of the wealthy and healthy he was called to be a hospital for those who are sick and if you're sick today you're at the right place oh hallelujah Hallelujah, you're at the right place. So don't you ever let the devil convince you that your struggle is not worth anything because in the kingdom of God, nothing's ever wasted. So if you've got to sing as you're struggling, you sing anyway, baby. If you've got to read the Bible struggling, you read it anyway. If you've got to come to church struggling, you do it anyway. If you feel like giving up on Friday, you don't give up and you come to church anyway. But whatever you do, you struggle in the midst of your Christianity. But you don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and they continued steadfastly. They didn't give up. They didn't throw in the towel. They continued. God has not called you to be successful. He called you to be faithful. You chosen vessel, the rejected vessel, and the broken vessel. If you're broken, you're at the right place, at the right time. If you feel like your life is broken, your marriage is broken, relationships are broken, it's good that you're here. I welcome you to the house of the Lord. I said, I welcome you to the house of the Lord. Remember Jesus told the parable of the great supper? Wedding garments was given. Nobody came to the supper. And you know what he said to his servants? Go out and get the lame and the broken. Bring him to the supper. Let's go get all the lame and the broken people and bring them to this church right in the midst of a pandemic and let them know that God is still good even in a pandemic. Yeah. Hallelujah.